0: This is their new hoax, but, you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing.
1: We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and, of course, they're joining a long list. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. You know?
0: Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know
1: it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed.
0: Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that Uh, by injection inside or or almost... My name name is Connor
1: Burke, and this is the Nursing Review coronavirus Coronavirus podcast. Joining me to talk about last week's COVID stories is virologist Dr Ian McKay, adjunct associate professor from the University of Queensland. Ian, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you. Ian, I don't think I've ever seen so many research stories about a scientific topic. There's so many articles that are talking about this test, which says this about the virus and the virus does this under these conditions. And um, I mean, what have you learned or what ones are kind of stood out for you this week? Um,
0: this week, some of the conversation's been around immunity and how we do or don't mount an immune response. And I think probably probably the, the expectation is that we do become immune after we're infected, and we all expect that to be the case. But we're still looking for some good information that will convince everybody, and in particular, the World Health Organization doesn't seem to be totally convinced that we are very immune. Mm. Uh, and obviously, they've They need to see a bit more information yet. So we're still casting around for that. But from what I've seen so far, there's been a number of little studies come out. We do develop good immunity. So I'm a little bit surprised at some of the story that's going out at the moment.
1: Mm, Yeah, I did see that that the the World Health Organization have come out against some countries want to put immunity passports to people who've already had it so that they can come and go and we can kind of get things opening up again. But they've come out and said, this is not a good idea. We don't know enough yet.
0: And I think that's probably a good idea for that aspect of it. We don't, the tests that we use aren't really all that great at telling us we are immune. They'll tell us we have some antibodies, but we haven't yet made the link between. The presence of antibodies and the likelihood that those antibodies will be what we call on the job neutralizing or able to knock off the virus in our bodies. So that link isn't there. And I think they're right that way. But it's kind of the way they communicated. That was a bit confusing this week.
1: Mm -hmm. I also, uh, you know, like I say, I've seen so many little stories that have just come out. One that will two that have caught my eye recently. Um, One that said that, you know, covid particles could be in the air for over 12 hours. Um, you know which is different I would imagine to flu and cold viruses and another one that kind of I don't know if you saw the graphic that showed when someone's running or jogging the particles you know traveling in the aerosol throughout the air and I think that caught a lot of people's uh, attention but I mean are these are they, these sorts of research released too early is it, um, is it ethical to talk about these things before we really know and peer review them
0: Ethical is a good question. I think we do know a lot about droplets and viruses we call respiratory viruses, like flu, that means we do have a pretty good idea that we can see them hang around in the air for a long period of time. The missing link for this virus and what is often missing for a lot of these respiratory viruses is is there an infectious dose hanging around in the air enough to infect the next person that comes along? We know for measles, for example, that there usually is that there is a virus that does spread quite easily. But for a lot of these other viruses, maybe not. And it does take those longer times breathing in the air or closer contact and prolonged contact with someone spitting out larger wet droplets. So we still don't know a lot around that. And I guess from an ethical point of view, we'd like to not be instilling fear. But unfortunately, in today's world, anything that gets said in any way can be taken in all different ways. So it's all a bit open game at the
1: moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, something I read today is that uh, you know China's had started to open up a little bit more free movement. They've opened up some gyms and, and whatnot, but they are starting to shut down again. And I think there are some fears maybe that there might be a second wave. Have you seen anything about that today?
0: I've seen the term second wave used ad infinitum, and really it just means we've come down one side of a peak and then we suddenly have another peak, just a, another batch of cases The thing we know, even from places like New York that have had really dense and large numbers of um, cases, there's still maybe only 20% of the population that's been infected. That that seems to be the case from the antibody studies done so far with better antibody tests than the ones we were talking about before. So there's still a lot of people left, that means, that could still harvest or could still harbour an infection, that, that there are susceptible hosts for another virus infection or another round of infection to spread through the community. So the possibility for another wave or another peak is very real. Um, it doesn't really matter about season so much with this virus as just whether or not we let another ember turn into a fire. And that's kind of what we're doing pretty well at stopping in Australia and in New Zealand as well. Mm. In America, that's still got quite a way to go.
1: You talk about um, New Zealand Australia. Let's come back to that now. Um, Talking about the embers, um, WA and Queensland, your home state Queensland, are talking about now easing restrictions in the next week. Um, Thoughts on that?
0: I think that's a good idea. And I think we have some things we can do now that won't put us at too much risk. We know that there are very few cases around that are ill enough to turn up at a hospital or obviously cause death. Uh, and that's a good indication that there's probably not a ton of community spread going on out there that we're missing. We don't really know what the proportion of asymptomatic cases are or mild cases, but we know that most cases are pretty mild, but still some will be severe. So things like perhaps going to the beach, Uh, a bit more things that are outside. There haven't been a lot of cases that have been acquired in an outdoor setting. Those sorts of relaxation of restrictions might be good to see happen.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, another big story this week has been the app. Um, Have you signed up?
0: Um, I have not signed up. I'm still waiting on some information about where the data gets stored. I know that most of it's supposed to be on the phone, so I'm interested to know for sure about that. Uh, It's not a case of I don't think the app is a good idea. I think it's a great idea. I just Mm -hmm. haven't yet uh, completely decided... And that will probably
1: happen in the next day or so. Because I I did see today that Greg Hunt was saying that they will release the source code so people can really get a good look um, at how it is all made and stored in the next two weeks. And I think that is uh, the ethical issue that maybe people like yourself, and I think I have that and a lot lot of other people have.
0: And I have seen some people take the code and decompile it. It's um, It's not very locked down or scrambled, which is a good sign because it means people, developers, don't mind it being seen. And it has been looked through, and it all looks pretty great. It doesn't look like there's any... Problems. I just have one problem with the link to an overseas data store, and that's at Amazon, I think, at the moment, mm-hmm. and exactly what the data goes there. When I understand that a bit better, and I'm not an expert in the field, when that gets explained to me, then I'll be
1: happy. Um, Ian, you have joined us on the first episode of this coronavirus podcast, and uh, a new segment I thought I would try out for this podcast is the, called, Well, That's Silly?, segment. Um, And this is a a strange, silly or downright stupid COVID-related story that we've heard this week. Uh, Mine goes to Fartgate. Uh, Last week, the venerable ABC doctor Norman Swan joked uh, that a fart could spread the virus because it was aerosolized and that we should ban bare-bottom farting. And a few US um, media outlets picked this up um, with all seriousness, including right-wing shock jock and Trump's buddy Rush Limbaugh saying, By the way, my friends, there could be another way of spreading and acquiring the coronavirus, and we owe this discovery to our great friends in Australia. Uh, Any truth in this idea, Ian?
0: Look, we don't really know, and I say this with laughter in my voice, because it's not really top of the priority list of ways that we're likely to spread this virus. We're not too concerned about fecal-oral spread at this
1: stage, because Mm
0: -hmm. uh, unless you have diarrhoea, it's not likely that virus is going to come out and... That's another whole story. I think that we don't want to revisit.
1: Well, if you could, if you find anything out, maybe you could let my partner know because after four weeks locked down together, she's quite sick of my um, my aerosolised. We won't talk about that. (laughs) Um, Ian, anything tickle you this week?
0: Well, there was the great injection gate story that also came from the president of the United States talking about injecting disinfectant as perhaps a way to uh, cure ourselves of this virus, and of course that is a very silly thing to do. Uh, it's dangerous. Obviously, these are effectively toxins when we inject them into our body. They're poisons. And there has been some sign of a little rise in cases of people getting poisoned with some of the the uh, disinfectants in the States in the eight-hour period after that announcement. So that's quite disappointing and sad that someone in that position would say something so ridiculous and completely unfounded and with no real basis in yes. uh, reality, little alone science.
1: Indeed. I mean, he did come out afterwards and say he was sarcastic, but I, I, mean, I couldn't tell. And uh, a few... Um you know, medical professionals did point out that injecting disinfectant is in fact embalming. So um, I don't know, maybe he he was going somewhere with that. But look, Ian, thank you very much for joining us to talk COVID-19. We appreciate you coming on. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening to the coronavirus podcast. Uh, Check out Ian at his informative website, virologydownunder.com.